It's the most important date on the rugby league calendar. Grand final day at the Sydney Football Stadium. After months of toil, tears and triumph, just two teams out of the 16 remain in contention. It's down to St George and the Brisbane Broncos. And for the Broncos, on their way to rugby league history. What a day for Alfie DeMarcus' 100th appearance in Bronco Colours. And the game was just 10 minutes old when the Rothmans medalist split the Dragons open. It's Alan Langer. He holds it. He feigns to kick. Gives it to Gavin Allen. Back to Alan Langer. That's a try. First try of the grand final. But St George was back in business almost immediately. A 6-4 advantage was not the comfort zone Brisbane would have chosen. But, like he'd done so often in the past, the diminutive number seven provided the spark behind the Broncos' fire. Ten minutes after the break, he was over for his second double of the final series. Scurries into dummy half, goes right, gets off his right foot, puts the ball down. McKellen asks the question, it's a try! It was the signal for a vintage Broncos performance. The second half tries as spectacular as anything they've produced in their five seasons in the New South Wales Rugby League. Round the corner ball. Ten. Ten. Goes for the line. Puts it down. Brisbane get another. Renoff. We haven't seen much of him today. Now take a look at him as he crosses the halfway. They won't catch him. He's heading for the corner. A late try to St George of little consequence, 28 to 8 the final score, and the 1992 Winfield Cup would be heading north to Brisbane. This will be the last of the grand final. Heron fails to convert, and the Broncos, they can celebrate. They've won the Winfield Cup for the first time. Now Langer's been lifted high. Arguably the best player in the game today. G'day everyone, welcome to episode 208 of Not The Footy Show. I'm Warwick Nicholson, joined once again by the man of the plan, Mr. Rob Cox. How are you, Rob Stuff? G'day, mate. I'm in isolation. What are you up to? Same old, same old. Staying clean, washing the hands and putting our minds to some interesting teams. Uh, Brisbane Broncos this time, mate, and I've pulled out what is a collector's item. I'm spewing that I'm wearing it in some respects because I'll probably put it on eBay and get a lot of money. Check this out. If you're watching on YouTube, I mm-hmm. have the original grand final T-shirt from 1992, <laughs> the first wow. grand final for the Broncos, and I'm wearing it. What am I doing? I don't know, mate. You're devaluing something, I guess. <laughs> or maybe you're putting a value on it. I'm, I'm adding value, value adding, adding stink, adding value. Uh, as, I, if you're not watching on the YouTube, it's the grand final T-shirt from 1992 with a really cool Broncos uh, cartoon character on the front, and they're the mm. su- subject of tonight's Best Since 82 podcast. Uh, we've gone through the uh, Illawarra Steelers, the St. George Dragons, St. George Illawarra Dragons, and we did Parramatta, which was well-received uh, as well. Jumping into right. a bit of a more modern team, you could call it, who have had some pretty handy players, mate. I've tasked you with the 1-13, to 13, and what I think we've both found hard, which is the four-man bench. How long did you yep. spend on this today? Um, oh, mate, I uh, probably about an hour, I guess. Maybe just a bit under an hour, 45 to an hour. Mm. Yep, 
Uh, the, the, look, obviously, I did it in from one to seventeen, and uh, so the four-man bench probably took me longer than four other play, uh, you know, four other positions combined. But geez, I've had some players, haven't they? It's the Broncos. I know that I slammed on the Broncos last podcast a little bit because I'll tell you why. Okay, I've got a. If you didn't hear it, if people out there missed this one, uh, I was, was actually reacting, a current one we did last week. Yes, yeah. I know. I was reacting to what was said about uh, something that their CEO Paul White had said, yep. which was just political, and it was just, you know, I guess, I guess what I'm overing over. I'm over all of the posturing and mm. the the political. It's, it's rugby league is one of the most political sports that there is. Uh, and there's little wonder why politicians end up either coming from sport or going to sport at some, some stage. Yep. And it's just boring. You know, like Paul White was, was saying something about they, that they would welcome all of the Sydney teams and everyone else. Yeah, to we'll host play. teams up here because we don't want to go down to Sydney. We'll host them up here in Brisbane because, you know, we did it before. Yeah. And I think just in this environment uh, where we are at the moment, which is isolation in, in April 2020 and because of... Mm all the COVID-19 crap, like we just want the footy back. And can we just leave the political posturing until the end of the season when you're ripping off other people's players or something? And that's not just directed at, at the Broncos. That's just at everyone. Mm. Let's just let's try and get this competition back on. But geez, the Broncos, mate, they have had some players. And uh, I found, well, what I did was I just wrote every Broncos player I could think of, right, off the top of my head. Yeah. Then I, I put them into positions yep. and then I scrubbed a few out because who could forget Julian O'Neill? Jules, you know? Uh, Definitely not probably, Jeremy Sloss. <laughs> probably did his best work at Souths. Uh, uh, I did, yeah. Good uh, depositor, uh, I hear. Yeah. I think it's really good. There's, stories. There's a lot of stories about Jules. Not many that we can say on this show, but if we ever get a... Uh, if we're ever back out, out, out aloud in public, we should have a, a get-together with uh, some fans at a pub one night and I can tell yeah. them some stories about Jules. Um, but yes, anyway, I don't you, you've just You've just you basically just said to everybody, there is a better version of this podcast that we're not going to release. That's what you've pretty much just said. It's the in-person podcast where nobody can uh, film me or record me uh, yeah. and then I can tell you all sorts of stories. Uh, very, very good. Yes, I've heard a few of those over the years. Uh, we're going to get to our 1-17 to Brisbane Broncos. Best since oh, 88, technically, because they weren't in the competition in 82. And we'll have more Not the Footy Show after the break. Not the Footy Show. Five seconds to go. The crowd taken out. It's not finished for Chris Johns, but it is now. Grand final is over. Brisbane retain their title. 14 to 6. John's got one of the tries. Khan and Madison the others. O'Neill kicked the goal. Meanwhile, Ian Heron with three goals provided the total of St George. 14 to 6. The world champion club side. Now they've won it twice in six years. Sad in many ways when you look at the frame of Michael Potter. But these, these Broncos, we said it last year, the Winfield Cup was heading north of the border for the first time and many of us felt that it might make a similar journey for many years to come. 
loses the second time. Whilst ever there's only the one team in Brisbane, I guess you're entitled to think they might be favourites at a very short quote for 1994. Okay, we're back. It's episode 208 of Not The Footy Show. We're looking at our best Brisbane Broncos team since 1988. Although technically the series started from 82. They came into the competition 88 with the Gold Coast Giants, the Gold Coast Tweed Giants, if you've been playing rugby league trivia, and the Newcastle Knights, Cocksmith. They were a big decision for the Sydney competition to bring in. They knew it would be a financial boon for them. It did kill the competitiveness, not straight away, but uh, very close to straight away, of the Brisbane uh, competition. But as a result... uh, this is why the NRL is what it is today is because of I think how successful Brisbane were. They opened up um, the competition to a host of new players. Uh, Canberra had already picked up a whole bunch from uh, the Brisbane competitions a couple of years earlier. But when Brisbane came in, it was whoever wasn't already contracted to a Sydney club joined the Brisbane Broncos. It was a ridiculous time for the Broncos. They just had the pick of the litter. And wow, what a, what a team they put on the park straight away. Absolutely, mate. Um, it was it was really weird for me. I, I, I do remember them coming in. Um, I was sixteen or seventeen at the time, and and you know I, I remember like we always talk about the back to the midweek competition days, the Panasonic Cup and the MCO Cup, and mm. we'd ha- we'd have those combined Brisbane sides. Do you remember the um, yep. you know you'd see Holly Fullerton Smith and Wally Lewis and and guys that you'd only see it's in state of origin time. In totally unrecognisable jerseys as well, which is interesting if you looked up YouTube. It was a red and white jersey, wasn't it? That combined Brisbane. I think it was mostly white with a bit of red in a blood and bandage style. Anyway. I there was some uh, green as well. and Yeah, like a red, green and white or some, some ridiculous, yeah. Okay, yeah. No, look, when, when the Broncos came in, they, they hit the ground running too. Uh, I don't know if there's too many teams that have gotten to or won a grand final within five years of their their um inception but uh melbourne technically but yeah melbourne melbourne year two yeah but that's that's another um uh another you know i guess another a refined when they when they came into the comp uh the guy that was ceo who was the first ceo of brisbane was uh was rebray wasn't first ceo it was porky morgan wasn't it was it the chairman well i know I know Rebo had a fair bit to do with them, and and mm. and basically they they streamlined a, a a way to to get a team competitive straight away. Um, uh, so I guess Melbourne, in in essence, is the perfect start almost um, to a club. But the Broncos were phase one of that. Broncos yes. paved the way coming in in the first. Um, Having said that, Melbourne had to pick from like the Hunter Mariners and Western Reds and Adelaide Rams, whereas Brisbane just picked from the Australian rugby league team <laughs> true true so yeah so we'll go we'll go into what what order you want to go in mate because we, we've, we've traditionally gone fullback winger center five eight etc now on the screen it does look easier to do it that way but we can we can change it up i'm open to that well, you know what why don't we run from 13 to one then name our bench sounds good so, so that's lock forward for the uh the uninitiated and uh when the broncos entered the competition interestingly enough uh they are actually in a different order of jersey. It wasn't until 89 they changed. Uh, the lock forward had used to be number eight. And if you've seen the great Paul Vorton ran around at number eight, you're thinking sometimes if you look at old uh, footage, you think, why is he playing prop? No, he was playing lock. Second mm-hmm. rollers were nine and 10, 11 and 13 were the front rowers. But for the interests of uh, staying consistent for the majority of 
uh, this series 13 will be the lock forward position. There is a cavalcade of quality rugby league players in this position. And we'll be saying that about almost every position, bar maybe one as we get through this Brisbane team. Mm. I'm going to go through some names um, just to get it off the thing. And you pick out the ones you just want to talk about. All right. I'll just, I'll just throw some out here. Tony Carroll, yeah, Peter Ryan, uh, Terry Madison, Corey Parker, Gene Miles, Darren Smith, Wally Lewis, Josh McGuire, and Kevin Campion. That's just the first batch that came to mind when I was thinking of lock forwards. What stood out sure. to you in that list? Well, there's one in that list that you've just mentioned who I picked, but geez, there's some notable, noteworthy mentions. You know, Terry Madison was probably their most underrated player. Also a New South Welshman. He was, yes. uh, you know, a wolf in sheep's clothing, so to speak. Well, there was two of them, wasn't there? There was uh, Chris Johns well, and um, as well. both in the New South Wales team that I for the dominant Broncos. And let's not forget, uh, what's the guy that changed his name? Devere? Mick Devere? Um, <laughs> what was his name originally? I can't remember. Wasn't Sinjanellis, was it? No, it wasn't. Um, it was either he changed his name after. Oh, I know what his name was. I know what his name was. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll just not. keep going. We'll keep going. The people who know that answer will uh, yeah. sit there and they'll chuckle. Uh, yeah. Terry Mason, yeah, he, he got plucked from basically Eastern Suburbs uh, where he couldn't get a, a regular start at East. And he became the lock forward for the Broncos in their first few right. years. He was their lock forward through. Uh, Basically, 1994, 95 was his last year, but he was very successful and he was a toe poker. So he's, he's automatically in the top five lists of any list. 100%. Lock forward, yep. toe poker, headgear. Headgear. Oh. Jesse right. his shoulder and scoring a try. New South Welshman. And so, yes, my number 13 is not him. But <laughs> you've, you've, mentioned, you've mentioned a couple that were fantastic. Um, uh, look, I'm going to jump straight in and I'm going to tell you who I picked. Okay. And I'm going to tell you why. I picked Peter Ryan. Wow, Peter um, Ryan. Yes, yeah, so I picked Peter Ryan, mate. He he was a very very good player, uh, you know, not only for for the Broncos but for Queensland as well. Yep. Uh, he he, um, another workhorse player, uh, big, strong, mobile. Um, what a tackler! <laughs> yeah, he used to hit like a sledgehammer <laughs> as well. Um, I, I I'm I'm prepared to say that. Geez, I, just look. I'm just quickly looking through my forward pack. I'd, I'd have this team play for my life. If I had to pick a team <laughs> for my life, this one here is it. Peter Ryan, I, I just really enjoyed the way he played, mate. Um, I liked, I just liked everything about him. Um, great attacking player, really good on the, on the edge of the rucks. Could play in the middle as well. Uh, and um, just, just a, a, a back rower who you just didn't want to, as a half running at back rowers, you, you just didn't want to meet him because he'll cut you in half, basically. Um, so he's my 13. Wow. Tell me well, yours. We will have a difference. Uh, Peter Ryan came into consideration for my bench. Uh, but I couldn't find a spot for him just given the quality of other players. But I understand why you have him in your, in your team. There is a defensive element there that it just it makes the, it scarier to run the ball anywhere near him. Hmm. The, other one, the ones I considered really strongly, uh, Corey Parker uh, was strongly considered to, to make the starting team for me. He was... Uh, much better at the back end of his career in that, um, I think, sort of 26 to 30 range than he was early on when he was a bit of a firebrand and couldn't really find his footing. But there were some pretty handy players playing ahead of him up to that stage. And I, that's why I've got him in the mix is that he really made himself into a quality footballer once the mm. likes of Talises and Thorns and Carlaws and that had moved on, which is a pretty good effort given he became sort of one of the leaders in the pack. Uh, the other player that I have to uh, put into the conversation is Tony Carroll 
who mm-hmm. you could play at centre, you could play second row, you could play 5-8 if you need to, play on the wing if you had to uh, find a role for him. Just a weapon running the ball and he could smash people. He was very, he was almost like a miniature version of Peter Ryan, but with speed. Uh, yeah, yeah, look, I, I liked him. I really liked Tony Carroll, but I liked him more when he played with, with Darren Lockyer um, because he was very much a, a bodyguard for, mm. for Lockyer. Um, yeah, I, no, I, I, do, I, I do see where you're coming from. I liked Corey Parker as well. Um, and, um, yeah, I, 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 I think I agree with everything that you said, though. Um, he was better later on than he was early. Um, so who did you end up picking? So I ended up going to Lee Lewis. Now, he played a number of games at lock for Brisbane. That'll change your team dramatically. It will. I can't leave him out of the team. And mm-hmm. people think of it as, oh, he was back in his career when he played with the Broncos. Well, not really. People forget that Wally Lewis was only 31 when he retired from Origin in 1991. So mm. he still played for the Broncos at like age 28, 29, 30. Mm. He wasn't past it by the stage that he joined the Broncos. And he actually scored an absolute monster of tries the first year the Broncos came in. Now, I've done a little bit of research and tried to watch quite a bit of that um, 988 season. He is, he's as dominant as he, you remember him in origin in that first year. And even 89, sure. he's, he's not too bad. Um, he didn't play a great deal of games at lock. He played 10 total starts at lock. But I've got to have him in my team because he's Wally Lewis. And he kind of was a bit unlucky that the team around him couldn't find their own identity beyond him when he was at the sure. Broncos. It wasn't until a couple yep. of years later when he'd been moved on by Wayne Bennett. Um, but he played 19 games, 18 games, and then nine games in the three years that he played at the Broncos. And I've got to have him on the team. You all know, if you don't know who Wally Lewis is, do yourself a favour, just YouTube um, and watch what probably the best uh, controller of the way a game was, speed the game was played that I've seen. And I've seen two, some pretty two, good ones. The two, the two best that I've ever seen at doing that were uh, Joey and Wally Lewis. The difference I found between those two, Joey preferred to play the game up tempo a little bit, as in at his speed, but he'd play the game, he'd run around a bit and and find his spots and and create, always thinking, always thinking, whereas Wally was like, no, no, we're going to play the game at my speed. I'm going to get the ball when Mm -hmm. I want it. I'm going to kick the ball when I want it. I'm going to tackle when I feel like it. I'm going to run the ball when I think the game needs it. And it was just, you you look at the, the football smarts, and there's probably none better in terms of that. And he played in an era where he could afford not to be... And he was never unfit um, in, his, in his heyday, but he didn't, he, have to be, he didn't have to be the, you know, the player that you see today running around in the six or the seven and you know, super fit and running all day. That's yeah. the mark of how great a player Wally Lewis was. The other player that did deserve consideration um, is Gene Miles. He played quite a bit of lock and played mostly back row for the Broncos. Uh, I never saw the best of Gene Miles, I'll be honest. Uh, and that's why I can't have him forcing his way into the starting lineup. Uh, so Wally Lewis at 13 for me. He, he, I think Miles was a better centre than he was a back rower. But um, he, 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 he probably, the, the Broncos probably came in about four years too late for Gino uh, to, to, you know, play in the centres. Um, he'd lost a bit of pace, um, but he was still a big, big, tough bloke. Um, but anyway, yeah, he, he, he didn't... Unfortunately, Gino didn't make my team at all, although I did, I did consider him, mm. uh, of course. So um, we've gone with Peter Ryan and your greatest 13 for the Broncos, and I've gone for Walter Lewis. Into the second yes. row, mate. Uh, there is no doubt 
in my mind, who the two players are for the second row. Uh, but I wish yes. you to see whether you do agree with me. Uh, I'll give you some um, immediate sort of shout-outs uh, to the likes of Brad Myers. Carl Webb was pretty good. Uh, Alex Glenn, Sam Thiday, Dane Carlo from that sort of more recent era, all very good players. Uh, mm. Getting to a bit more of the older school, Alan Can was really good for a couple of years there for the Broncos when they Can won their back-to-back peak. premierships. Yeah. And the other player that I think deserves a bit of consideration is Mark Hone, who played a bit of prop as well. But he was he was uh, Wayne Bennett's go-to replacement player in that in that front sure. and second row. Really good player. Yep. Um, yep. But then the other player who gets mixed into that is the axe, Trevor Gilmister. Mm. Now, I I tried. I wanted I wanted axe in the seventeen. I I couldn't do it in the end. Because if he's not starting and he's playing in that one spot and just cutting everything down that moved, he's not going to provide the impact you need off the bench, especially in today's kind of football. Yep. So I couldn't find a spot yeah. for, for Trevor um, in, in the 17, but a very, very honourable mention for him. That leaves mm-hmm. a few others that I'm sure you'll uh, bring up in a second, but uh, the other player that deserves consideration is Matt Gillett, who was very good for a long time for Brisbane. And of course, Geno Miles. But that's leaving to you who I think the top two back rowers. My, my okay, I, I think I've pricked. Uh, I think I've pricked. I think I've picked a fairly uh, um, orthodox back row. I think these two make the most sense. Both of them start with a T. Yep. Uh, surname. We've got Talis mm-hmm. Gordon, Raging Bull Talis was my first pick. Um, what can what what hasn't been said about Gordon Talis? Uh, Good and bad. You know, uh, basically a, a psychopath on the yes. field and a pretty decent fella off the field. Um, played purely on emotion um, and, and in a, you know, sometimes overstepped the line. Mm. Uh, sometimes got on the wrong side of the law on the field. Um, and, and didn't really uh, like the referees calling him on that, I found. Never liked it, even though, um, you know, I think uh, Bill Harrigan may have had a pretty good reason to send yes. him off in an orange. I uh, told him he was a, I think Gordon may have said that you're a cheat mm. and mm-hmm. uh, Sheriff uh, Bill Harrigan didn't like that at all and said, uh, there's the dressing rooms, go and use them. Um, unbelievable player, uh, a player that, you know, on his day and even when he wasn't really all that on song was still a formidable player on the mm. field. Um, uh, that's the type of player you want playing for your life. Um, if, if you're a coach that could get the best out of Gordon Tallis, um, you, you're on your way to winning a lot of games. The next player was Brad Thorne. Um, Aussie, Kiwi, not sure. Uh, rugby Union, Rugby League, not sure. Yep. Um, but uh, a hard man, just a, in, in the style of a Ben Kennedy or a, or a, a Bo Scott or, or, um, uh, or even a Luke Lewis, just a, a bloke made of granite, um, just a hard man to stop, a hard man to get around. Um, you know what could possibly be Talison Thorne would probably be in the top five of all time um, back rowers. Uh, just um, formidable. Formidable. Thorne is still underrated, I reckon, in rugby league. Yeah. I, I don't I, know I, how, but he is. No. Yeah. I, 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 I actually. Think, you go. You go. I was going to say, I think anyone that's ever watched him, um, not just in one game, but across more than 20 or 30 games, would understand that. Uh, Brad Thorne is picked second behind Talis, but not far uh, for mine anyway. It's funny you compared him with a few players there. I think he is almost in his own category. The only player that I think of that had the 
the same sort of physique. And it was a different kind of physique. The form was much more athlete than he was footy player in the way that he was built, but he was a man mountain. Paul Sirenen is the other one that I think of when I think of, of Brad Thorne in terms of just size imposing, could play on an edge, could play in the middle, um, really hit hard. And Thorne was the athletic version of Ciro. And Ciro wasn't not athletic. He just wasn't an athlete yeah. in the same sense sure. as what Thorne became. I love watching Brad Thorne play regularly. And I actually think he's arguably a more, he's definitely a more consistent player than Gordon Tallis was. And that's not a, a massive slap at Gordon Tallis. It's more a, a rap at how incredibly good Brad Thorne was week in, week out, no matter what level he was playing. You don't play sure. for those teams. just Yes, because you might have some interesting loyalties, but you also have to be pretty good to make all those sides that you end up playing in. So, yeah, Talos and Thorne, it's, it's a no-brainer for me. It was quickly on Talos. He did play with a back injury, a neck injury the last few years of his career, which you wonder how long had that been an issue for him and whether it was just mm-hmm. bluster that he played through that for, for a number of years and maybe cost him at the back end of his career. But you can't play the way he played and expect to play till you're 35. It just wasn't yeah, going to happen. Right. Yeah. Um, he, he did one thing I will say about Gordon Tallis is from where he started to where he's finished with quite different players um, Tallis in the last couple of years of his career how do I put it he, he didn't he didn't have the same impact that he, he tried to have um, for the first sort of seven or eight years which may have been as a result of the body but he he wasn't quite um, to that standard that he had been which was a pretty high standard so well I agree uh, Thorne and Talos, Talos and Thorne, whichever one you want to go, is the second rowers. Any honourable mentions for you out of the list that I put through before? Oh, look, um, Gillett is, is one, definitely. Um, um, Corey Parker, obviously, we've said him as a back rower, whether it be locking the scrum or in the back yep. row. Um, you know, Dave Fafita. Um, look, there's there's been plenty. There's been plenty of them. Um, uh None that none that really you know I I try and I tried to to basically whittle down to the best um, and and I don't think that many of them come within a bull's roar of of Talis and Thorn to be quite honest. Yep. Okay, we go to the front row, which is stacked, and some very 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 good footballers will miss out on a starting berth for the Brisbane and, and one. One that I, that I had to leave out really breaks my heart because I, I think he's probably equally equally as good as at least one of the two that I picked. Mm. Um, but you know, I, I also think uh, I also think that the guy I picked may have gone on to another club and played some bloody good games for them as well. So um, yeah, I've 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 definitely again whittled it down to what I thought were the two or three best and then had to almost flip a coin. Okay, I'll throw some uh, honourable mentions out here. Uh, he didn't play his best football at the Broncos, but Greg Dowling was considered the preeminent front rower in the, at some stage during the 80s there for Queensland mm-hmm. and Australia. Uh, thought I played front row. Ben Hannant, Josh Maguire. Uh, I've got to mention Mark Hone again. And I'm going to put a player here that he's not in my 17 he's not starting in the front row people will lose their minds when they're picking a team if they're current day brisbane fans but Payne haas he won't be in your team but how many years does he have to play before he starts forcing his way into the conversation with the three players that you would have looked down to 
Oh, look, um, yeah, P- Payne Haas is, is, you just mentioned athlete before when you're talking about Brad Thorne, mm. uh, and, and Payne Haas is, a, is an athlete um, of a different type, but, um, you know, has, has there been a front rower that's faster than him ever? Can you think of a front row that it would beat him over a 50 or an 80 meter? Paul sprint? Harrigan ran down Abbott Fullerby in 1994. Paul Harrigan, yeah, Paul Harrigan was pretty quick. And, and James Graham is, is quite, or was quite um, quick over 30 or 40 meters. Yeah, but, but no one's got Haas. No. Not, not on a 100 meter sprint. I think Haas would, would you know, knock off everybody. Um, now, good, very good player, Payne Haas. And uh, just missed out on my bench, I've got to mm. tell you. But um, <laughs> he's played uh, 30 games of first grade. Absolutely, wow. yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other player, that there's two more that uh, get in behind the top three for mine. That's Gavin Allen, who uh, Brisbane had in the front row for them in the early 90s, and Andrew G, who played a long time. He is probably the consummate clubman when you think of the Brisbane Broncos. I had Andrew G on my bench, and, and I was going through it again, and I had to scrub him, and I put someone else in there. Uh, so he went close to the 17. Andrew G was a very, very good player. The player that I love to hate, actually, when he played for Queensland, yes. uh, Andrew and G. And Brisbane. Uh, and Let's Brisbane. Well, yeah, and Brisbane. I think there was only one player I disliked more playing for Queensland. That was Marty Bella. Um, you know, so I think... Um, oh, I just bumped my screen. Um, yeah, I... Uh, Andrew G was a very, very good player. If you, if you, if you, if you strongly dislike somebody... It's generally because they're good. It's not because they're crap. If they're yep. crap, you laugh at But um, Andrew G was great, which uh, I guess it opens the door for you to, to lay down your front rowers here first, mate, which I suspect are identical to mine. Um, well, it's interesting because I think we're one different. Judging from what you've said, mm-hmm. I think we'll both have Glenn Lazarus. We do. Now, that's, that's no brainer. There will not. He is. There is a couple of players in this team that are picked first it probably goes the guy at number seven and then there's argument that goes the guy number eight and that is glenn lazarus he is the best front rower i've ever seen play he made a difference at every team he went to and when he didn't play or was playing injured his team lost big games yeah well what was it three three uh three no he won more than three premierships but at three different clubs yeah um insane uh, so brisbane uh, uh, Melbourne, Canberra, obviously. An unbelievable record. Um, uh, uh, you know, an enviable record for any rugby league player. And um, definitely my first first forward picked, um, Glenn Lazarus. Uh, what you got? Who you got in number 10? I'm going with Shane Webke. Webke is my number 10. Me uh, too. Oh, you did go, Webke. Okay. I thought you might have gone seven to Siva, given what you said about going on to another club. At the end, but you're obviously talking about Lazo. I thought you were talking about Petro. So it came down between Webke and Sivanasiva for me in this spot. Yep. And it's probably because Webke played the majority of, well, played his whole career at Brisbane. And yep. uh, Brisbane's last grand final came in the last grand final that uh, Shane Webke played in. So uh, that is the reason that I've gone with him over Petro. Petro is a slam dunk for my bench. Um, because I think he is perfect as the number three prop going with these two. You can bring Webke off and just throw Petro on and you won't lose a lot. You won't, you won't lose anything. If anything, you probably gain a little bit of um, ruck speed, uh, especially yeah. in defense. Uh, Webke yeah. though, you know, Brisbane, you've got Lazarus 
and you go, yeah, I've got some pretty good players around him, the Gavin Allens, the Andrew G's, the Mark Holmes, et cetera, and you go, you lose Lazarus, and you go, how do we replace him? Well, Shane Webke comes along. Pedro Sivanesiva comes along. Yeah. yeah there's time. no doubt that there's been a little bit of a gap in quality in front rowers up until Haas now. Mm. But mm. Brisbane, you've been very, very lucky because I, I loved watching Webke play. He played um, the grand final, wasn't it? With a broken arm as well. Uh, yes. Just, just a weapon. And um, I'll let you speak about um, Shane Webke, though, because he's in your, your team, obviously. Oh, well, well, look, mate, uh, Webke was one of those guys that, um, that came from the country. And um, uh, if you've ever got to speak to, to Shane Webke, especially early on in his career, I had a little bit, uh, a, few, a few jobs where I had to photograph him and whatnot, spoke like a real slow country boy, um, you know, and, and he was a bit, little bit wet behind the ears and, and whatnot. But what a player and what a replacement, like you just said, what a replacement for, for Lazarus. Um, yep. And, and, you know, probably uh, Lazarus is a once in a lifetime kind of a player, uh, you know, um, how, how he's not an immortal um, yet has got me wondering. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, Webke, Webke was, was that strong for Brisbane again. He was that guy again, uh, massive work rate, um, when he played well, generally the team played well. Um, yeah, he, he there was there was no two other front rowers. You know, Petro came in close, but uh, Lazo and, and uh, Webke for mine, mate. Just for the sure. thing on Webke, he did have obviously the broken arm in um, that year, but his durability for the entire his most of, most of his career was incredible. By the time he became a permanent starter at the Broncos, which was a 97 sort of 98 he played 28 23 23 29 23 24 18 was the lowest games he played in a season which was in 2004 then he played 25 and 27 games to finish his career that's an incredible ability to just keep fronting up when as as tough as he was as built as granite as he was he still wasn't monstrous you know he was a he was a a front rower but he wasn't he wasn't a, a tank like he and it's yeah, 61% uh, winning record over the course of his career. Not too shabby. Petro, what are your thoughts on Petro? I'm gathering he's made your bench as well, or have you left him out entirely? Petro's on the bench. He was the first picked on my bench. Um, uh, again, um, mate, Pe- Petro was a worker. Uh, you know, a- apart from him being a terrific fella, yep. um, which doesn't necessarily get you into a greatest of all time team, but um, uh, or a greatest since 82 team in this case. Uh, yep. Petro... Petro was just, um, you know, uh, an amazing player. Again, made of hardwood. Uh, you couldn't hurt him. Uh, no, and then went, if still went on to play, then went on to play for Penrith and uh, made a big difference at Penrith. Yeah. I brought a new culture to Penrith uh, who were you know, a bit in that era where when he turned up a little bit soft. Well, they were in the hangover soft. after the 2003-04 season. They really hadn't found their way out of that sure. when he arrived. Yeah, no, great player, mate. Really good. Um, and, uh, you know, with all the attributes that I've just said about Webke and Lazarus, uh, Petro had a whole lot of those as well, mate. Um, yeah, uh, amazing, amazing player. The quality of someone like Sivan Asiva and the fact that he was so durable for him, even though he had a few issues with arms early on, it's, it says more about the Webkeys and Lazaruses and the um, Sivan Asivas than it does the inability of the Sam Thidays and the um, Dane oh. Carlaws and, and these kind of play- matchulots from making the squad. It's not that they weren't great players. 
Mm. They were great players in their era, but they weren't better than the ones we've picked. And that's more of oh. a, a, a pat on the back for those players that are in the team. Yep. It's just that they were another level above. As much as you want to, you might have grown up with the the Fridays, Parkers, etc., and thinking, "Oh, they're the best things we've ever seen." There were better mm. ones. They really were. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, crazy. Uh, number nine. Hooker. Number nine. I think there's one selection. Uh, look, I, I couldn't really think of anyone else. They've had some good hookers over the years. Well, they had uh, the incumbent Australian hooker in their squad in 1988. Mm-hmm. And he was out of the team halfway through the season because of this bloke. Greg Kanescu is the one I'm talking about, yeah. Greg Kanescu was the, yeah, the incumbent hooker. Uh, very, very tough player for people who don't know him. Uh, nickname was Tur- the Turtle, was it not? Yep. Um, I saw a test once. It might have been against the Kiwis where he had about four teeth knocked out in a tackle. Um, that's the kind of way that they played uh, trans-Tasman tests back in the day. But look, my, my number nine... Mate, this uh, this guy's a uh, you know part of a, an amazing rugby league family. Yeah. Um. Uh. And probably, well, is very, it the probably? Is it the best the rugby league family? Well, I don't know. You tell me. Uh, all of them played for Australia. Uh, all of them played for Queensland multiple yeah. times. They produced uh, uh, you know, a great five eight and two really handy hookers. Um. We're talking obviously about Kerrod Walters. Yes, yeah, uh, the one that people may not remember, <laughs> which is strange. Well, because he hasn't really hung around in rugby league for as long as uh, I think he's gone off and done other things. Mm. Um, but for a while there, you would have thought that Kerrod was the best of the three, and then the the others. Steve was obviously the oldest brother, uh, who was a bit of a late bloomer in in a few respects. Yeah. Um, but uh, look. Kerrod Walters, an amazing player, so fast at a dummy half, uh, a little bit, a little bit Cam- Cameron Smith like. Um, it's easy to compare hookers to Cameron Smith, but really, you know, back in the day, back when when the Broncos first came in, they had a very very strong uh, seven and nine. Um, once Kerrod got his got his boots in there, yeah. um, and they could make decisions very quickly from dummy half, um, play off the halfback or play off the dummy half, and. Uh, they were dangerous in that what in that respect because they could get a roll on. He was he was dynamic out of you he know, was quick. So he, was, many, he was so quick at dummy half. So many highlights of him making a scoot down the blind side and, and running thirty or forty meters. You know before bouncing the ball up. over the line against Manly. I mean, there's memories. <laughs> Graham Annesley, twenty. Imagine if Graham Annesley had to do his like post uh, weekend rap about the decisions made in the weekend, and he was there watching Kerrod Walters bounce the ball in front of him against Manly. I'm just on mm. loop. Wouldn't that just be great television? Yep. Imagine what he'd say. Yep. Would, that, would, that, would that referee make, possibly get a job the next week? I, I don't know. It's, it's inconclusive. No comment. Uh, so, oh, yeah, Kerrod Walters, mate. They, look, the they, they, have, they have had quite a few. Um, they have had quite, we're getting close to playing again. So yeah, yeah. Sure, uh, sure. They have had quite a few good ones. I mean, um, uh, you know, They've had Mick Ennis up there. He played pretty oh, well on. for them. Uh, he was. Well, he, he doesn't make this list. I can't. I can't put him on this list. He's got it listed. But what I'm saying is, is that they haven't just had a bunch of uh, a bunch of nufties, and then yeah. Kerrod was the best of them. Um, they've had they've had a few. Uh, so we both agree on Kerrod, yes, which is great. And and now we're going to move into the backs. We will. I'll just, is, just give you. I'll give you the players that you've left off from the hooking role. Andrew McCullough's on. been very good. For a number good. of years. He, he, a lot of years. Yep. Seabold turned up there, though. All of a sudden, he's out of favour. Uh, Sean Berrigan. 
Yep. Now, but he Sean was more. Berrigan, Berrigan was more a utility player. Yes. See, Berrigan. He started hooker in their their run to their last premiership. He was a huge reason that they won that premiership because of what he did yeah. out of number nine. Also, he also could play seven and six and a bit of centre and uh, and that's where I believe he played a, a, that utility role uh, with the the Maroons. Um, you know, off of uh, off the bench, he, he could fit in anywhere, um, even in at lock if you needed him to. Who else you got? Uh, there's two more. There's Johnny Plath, who was the Berrigan before there was Berrigan, yes. who would just play everywhere. He's a fan favourite. I think that anyone who's sort of of our vintage would think back and go, yeah, Johnny Plath, he'd, he'd make some some teams those greatest sides because of what he did just when mm-hmm. he needed to do it uh, for Brisbane. And another player is Luke Prittis, who was the hooker when they won the premiership in 2000. And mm. then they got rid of him. I brought in Richard Swain and uh, Prittis went on to take Penrith to a premiership in 2003. Won the minor premiership by five. And tonight won their third grand final. So that's Hooker. We'll go into the halfback spot. Now we know who it's going to be. Shane Perry, uh, what a player he was in the 2006 grand final. Um, Has there been a worse halfback that's led a team to a grand final victory than the Pez dispenser? Ben Hunt. Oh, hold on. There wasn't a victory. I didn't win. Yeah. Um, I'm a bit harsh on Perry, but he, he was the seven. Uh, ben Hunt's there. You said Berrigan. There's not much else. I'm, I'm going to name him simply because of the amount of games they played for Brisbane. You mm-hmm. got the Ben Walker. You got Peter Wallace, who they thought was the answer for way too long up there in Brisbane. And Brett Seymour, who was considered the next half, who we'll get to in a sec. But Brett Seymour, that. They had massive raps on this kid when he came into first grade and unfortunately things haven't gone great for him off the field in the years since he left the game. But um, he was considered something special, Brett Seymour. Do you remember him? I do remember him. Uh, I did, don't really remember why they made such a fuss out of, about him because I never saw him come through until he got to Graydon and I know they were making a big fuss about him and I thought, wonder what the fuss is about. Mm. Um, so obviously they saw something in park football that was a lot different to what he showed in... Um, in senior football, um, and that happens. That happens. I reckon that happens seventy-five percent of the time. Uh, yeah. Players that get really, really um, uh, talked up, and then they get to the big game and um, and can't really go on with it. Um, you know, they've also I remember they also had Ash Taylor there, who was um, yes quite good in his first few games for them. Um, I didn't. I know he didn't play many, but um, one game was, and a half back. Was, but yeah, but he came off the bench a couple of times, right? Uh, I'll look for you. Uh, um, I just yeah, remember I him. But, yeah. You know, I, I think he did. How many games? Four? One. Really? He didn't. Yeah, mate, but see, he made more of an impression on you in one game well, maybe, than Brett Seymour did in about 30. Him, maybe I saw him play in um, some Queensland Cup games. But I'll tell you one thing. Um, the, the rap that they had on Ash Taylor... Hmm. Uh, now, they let Ash Taylor go, by the way. So Bennett doesn't usually lose players who he wants to keep. Um, and it doesn't usually matter, matter about the money. They still had much. Ben Hunt there, though, remember? Yes. When that yes. happened. Yeah. So 
Ash Taylor uh, was another one that was, you know, touted. Um, and, uh, but he had a whole lot of ability to back it up, Ash Taylor. But the uh, reason they were touted, Cocksmith, is that they were all following the greatest number seven Queensland that I had. Sure. sure and I say that a- considering. Alan Sorry, both, who was that we again? Both, say his we name both again. Chose Langer. Yep. We've both chosen him, mate. Uh, and I don't even really think, other than to give him a bit of a bit of a rap, um, you know, probably the best Queensland halfback ever uh, to, to date, um, I would say. Uh, played way above his weight. You know, he was a, he still is a little fella, but he was a lot lighter when he played football. Um, you know, some, some say he was less than 80 kilos. Uh, you know, he's about five foot five, um, 80 kilos, ring of wet and played. Uh, yeah, he, he was good enough to keep. He was good enough to keep Ricky Stewart out of the the Australian halfback position for a long time. When Ricky Stewart uh, was at the top of his game, that was the most interesting thing. Bob Fulton yep. kept picking Alan Langer at seven for the first Test match of the big games when yep. Stewart was coming off premierships at Canberra. That's how yep. good Alan Langer was. Alan Langer, uh, and then and then you know to top it off, he he uh, uh, went over to England to play and uh, got the SOS to come back for the Maroons. Um, and play and did and um well, quick really one well. 99 I, I was in canada that year so the news coming through that alan langer who retired got to me about 17 weeks after it had happened but mm. what was the reaction when alfie decided to pull up stumps because just the context for people is that brisbane had won the premiership the year before everything's going fantastic the game's unified brisbane unbeatable yada 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 they lose their first what eight or nine games of the season and Alfie well, pulls the plug halfway through that. What what happened? Well, I th- I think it depends. I, I think it's it's a perspective thing. It depends on who you are. As a as a New South Wales supporter, I couldn't wait to see the back of him. Um, <laughs> you know, because he he was one of those players, a little bit like Wally Lewis here. He was one of those players. He could be having an absolute Barry Crocker of a year, and as soon as he pulled the maroon jersey on, you know, figuratively, he grew three feet and put on forty kilos. He was a a stronger, bigger, more determined player. Um, so I couldn't wait to see the back of him. Um, and, you know, I didn't really care what the Broncos fans thought. They were probably upset about it. I would, I would be if I was a Broncos fan to think that, you know, one of our greatest players, players ever was departing the scene. Yep. So, um, but I, I think, uh, you know, there's, there's plenty of highlights on, on YouTube. Go and check out Alan Langer. Uh, amazing. Amazing especially especially when he first came into to, to grade uh, or when he first played for Queensland, actually is probably the best stuff because he looked like a, he, he dead set looked like a miniature version of a human um, playing in the toughest game yep. that there is in rugby league state of origin. Um, and I don't remember too many times of him, of him getting absolutely poleaxed. Um, he, he didn't get poleaxed that much. He was so good in traffic. Um, he, those little, those little short kicks that he'd yep. put in, um, had players turn it around on their line and he was the king of the, the repeat set. Um, or, or, or sometimes he would just run it on the last or the second last and, and grab himself a try. Um, very, very cunning player, very sneaky. Um, and, uh, you know, often converted opportunities into tries or, or at least try assists. And it was where he converted those opportunities into tries. The, the memory that I have, you mentioned the little kicks that he had, the amount of tries he would score from about five to 10 metres out just to the left or right of the post. Yeah. In my head, he just gets the ball and he's only got like five minutes run. He was, he was economy. He would just 
hold, he wouldn't have to run 70 metres to score a try. He'd just, you know, find his little spot, find a little weak forward somewhere. I mentioned Michael Bella the other day in that 2001 <laughs> Origin game. He just, he knew when a player had clocked off, how he clocked on. And it was a really yeah. awesome way to watch the master. And it's probably, there's an argument that he never played his best football for Australia. And it's, it's a bit harsh because it's more that Australia didn't have huge success on Ashes tours with Alan Langer in the seven. That's, that's where that mentality comes from. Because like I, I yeah. talked about it earlier, um, you know, he, he made, he played 24 tests for Australia, which is insane. But he also played, um, let me have a look, in 1990, he played the first test, Australia lost. In 1994, he played the first test, Australia lost. He played in the bench mm-hmm. in the next two test matches. But he mm-hmm. also was the halfback in the 92 Ashes series, which everyone forgets about, is that we used to have England come over here and play on tours of Great Britain. Mm-hmm. They won that series with him at halfback. Now, that was mm-hmm. the year that Ricky Stewart actually was quite injured during the 1992 season. But it's funny how that can influence the way you think about his Australian career. He was also the halfback when they won the World Cup final. Yeah. 1992. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, but the, those two Ashes game one when we lost, everyone was said, oh, get rid of him, bring in Stuart. It's funny. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how the narrative stayed, or at least in my mind, um, in terms of the Australian performance. We still played 24 tests for Australia. It's, it's, it's quite remarkable. And, and the last part about that is his last test match for Australia was actually in the year that he retired. He played the Anzac test. Yep. And he retired about, what, two or three weeks later. Yeah, um, yeah. Only to come back, obviously, but that was that was stunning. Al Langer, just a phenomenal player, and you would if you were ever doing like an all-time draft, you, you wouldn't you wouldn't leave Alfie on the board very long. No, you wouldn't, and uh, you know um, it, it pains me, mate. You've got to understand that I, I really don't like Queensland. I just don't. I just don't dig them. Um, it's fine, mate. It it makes me feel better. When, when I think of Alfie in, uh, in a uh, Australian jersey, even though, like you said, his, his best moments may not have been in, in, his, in the Aussie jersey, um, but that, that's how I like to remember him. Um, yeah, outstanding rugby league player. We go to 5 8, and this could be the most stacked club 5 8 list you will ever see. Now, I'm talking about the top draw quality of players. Now, they may not have all played their best football in the number six jersey for Brisbane. But I'm just going to read some names to you. There are six players on this list that are insanely talented. There's Darren Lockyer, who played 5'8". There's Wally Lewis, who played 5'8". There's Kevin Walters, who played 5'8". There's Benji Marshall, who played 5'8". There's Scott Prince, who played 5'8". And there's Anthony Milford, who played 5'8". That is some six players who played in the number six jersey for the Brisbane Broncos. Yep. That's insane. It's it's a it's a treasure trove, isn't it? Really, you think about those those six five eights uh, have arguably probably got at least at least the top five five eights of all time. Uh, there'd be two or three of them in in that um, little treasure. And trove, I left mate. I left out a player who didn't play his best football at Brisbane, but still led to a premiership, and that's Ben Eichen, who played at number six in the grand final in two thousand. That's right. I actually prefer Ben Eichner, but um, yes, agree. Uh, but but yeah, he played he played there, um, and there's been a few. 
that have uh, a few other players that have played at five eight as well, whether it be just a, a few a small amount of games. Um, now we know look, I've left. I've put Wally at lock. That's where I put Wally hmm. to obviously make room for somebody. Uh, but have you just left somebody well, out? Well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what I think you've done. And before you tell me, <clears throat> I'll tell you who I've picked. I think you've either gone Kerrod Walters or Lockyer at six um, because really uh, Wally, Ker- uh, sorry, Kevin and, um, and Lockyer are the three best five eights that have played for them. Yes. I went with Wally and I'll tell you why. Yep. Wally may not have played his best football or his most memorable football at the Broncos, but whenever Wally makes himself available in a team, I'm going to put him in the position that he's the best in. Uh, look, it, this 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 whole thing about players, the best player ever or the best player in the world at the moment or whatever, it gets touted a lot. It gets mm. thrown around a lot. And because a lot of players in a particular year may be the best player in the world in that particular year, Wally Lewis would probably go into the top three or four all-time best I've seen play. Um, now, that's not to say that I photographed a lot of games that Wally was in because I didn't. I started photographing in 93. Yep. But some of those early origins, mate, again, controlling a game, uh, controlling the referee, controlling a crowd, mm. controlling uh, opponents. I've never seen anyone be able to do it like, well, like Wally can. All of those elements. See, Joey had, Joey had probably the best game management skills that I'd seen, but Wally could control everything from the yep. moment he ran across the sideline. Um, and there were times where he did, and he did it in enemy territory a lot of the time as well. Um, may not have played his best football, <clears throat> excuse me, for, for the Broncos. But when when uh, Walter Lewis makes himself available in your 17, I'm putting him in the six jersey. Um, and unfortunately, there are players that are going to miss out. Just I think before you, you get to those players, just, I just want yeah. to add something on, on Lewis. This, the, the discussion today is, oh, the greatest players. We've, we've got all these immortals who are about to retire. Well, they were just retired. The Billy Slaters, the Jonathan Thurstons, um, the Lockyers, the um, Cameron Smith's about to retire, and uh, Greg Inglis. They're all, they all should be immortals, people keep saying. But if you put a gun to someone's head and you said, who's the best of them all? you probably get five or six different answers from different people. You would, yeah. Okay. I left off Billy Slater off that list. I meant, but that's that, that group, okay? And that's the group that's post Joey Johns, basically. Okay. Yet, if you'd done the same thing in the 80s to people, when you had the likes of Peter Sterling, Brett Kenny, Steve Mortimer was in that conversation for a while there, and Walter Lewis, the answer 10 times out of 10 was Walter Lewis. Yeah. Yeah. That is the sign of just how incredible and incredibly good he was above his peers in that period of time, how good he was. And that's not a a criticism of the current day superstars we're talking about. It's just, we've had these great players before everybody, just as you youngsters out there. And Mm. for me, this is the the really early stages of me watching footy was at Wally's best, but he remained in that conversation of greatness even as I started seeing a lot more players play. Absolutely. And I only, had a, I only had flashes of what he was. And you can watch plenty of it now. But Wally Lewis is, and I said, I, I found a way to have him in my team because I thought mm. that he was, he, it's in the game style I, I want us to play if I was coaching this side. 
Um, but well, yes, he's a, he's a guy. The interesting, the interesting thing is though, was, is that you've picked him in 13. I've picked him in, in six back when Wally was playing the six and the 13 played quite similarly yes. more often. Um, and again, another bit of trivia for you, Wally's favored position uh, was lock coming in. Uh, but he also was smart enough to know at the time when he started playing football that there was a guy called Ray Price who wasn't going to lose the number yes. eight jersey or 13 as it would be known today, the lock forward position. Yep. Uh, so, so Wally honed his game and aimed more at the number six, uh, which he thought was more achievable while Ray Price was playing. Um, so having him in the 13 or the six is quite similar given we're naming an all-time team well, not an all-time team, but an 82 onwards team. And back in 82, the game was very different, or 88 when they came in. Yep. It was very different the way it's played in 2020. So I think he fits either or, but I wanted him in six because that's where he, I thought he played his best football. Maybe not for the Broncos, but um, look, there's another argument um, that, that you know, without Wally Lewis coming to the team, um, they may not have got their early early stars and the early, the early start that they they did get he was a you know he was kind of like a bait in the water that brought other players in and thought they probably thought well if Wally's going to sign on Jesus it must be going to be all right this this isn't just a flash in the pan gimmick let's go and win ourselves a premiership and give it to those at New South Wales Rugby League and show them what what we're made of um so yeah I've gone I've gone with Wally and you've gone with Lockyer right no I've gone Kevin Walters I'll I'll tell you why I'm throwing that Kevy. one spanner in the works there. Oh, Kevy Walters is the second best support player I've seen play rugby league. Number one is Terry Lamb. Number two is Kevin Walters. Mm. If I've got Lewis and Lockyer running the show, I want someone who can turn those half chances into tries off the back end of that. And Kevy Walters was just a weapon, and he 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 just had the ability to pop up. He didn't. He never played his best footy for Queensland, and that's not. His fault, he just came up against an, an unbelievably good New South Wales group of players through that period, and so did Alf. Yeah. Everyone, like, yeah. as, as once Wally went on, followed Alf and uh, Kevy, as great as they were at club level, they, they came up against a bit of a blue wall. Um, the Dailies and the Stewarts and the, um, the Fittlers and co. But Kevy Walters in this team would just run amok, and he can yeah. play that first receiver role if you need him to, he can take over the kicking game if he needs to. Or he can just sit off the back of uh, Lewis and Langer and um, just do his thing. And that's why he is in my number six jersey. Um, okay. That probably gives away where I put um, one D Lockyer. <laughs> but Kevy Walters, I, I just, he was really a, a linchpin in that Brisbane um, team that won all those premierships. And a special mention to a guy that I think gets too heavily criticized given how good he was when Brisbane really was really good. Sorry? Mm. And that's, Sorry? And that's Milford. I think Milford is, is underappreciated for how good he actually is and how good he was when Brisbane were in their dominant phase once he joined them. Look, I've got to say, I've got to say that I think that, that Anthony Milford is, is an exceptional player. I just think he's more of a fullback. I think he's a player that a little, he's a little bit Hayne-esque. Mm. In, in as much as he's, he's a bit of an enigma and he can go in and out of a game a little bit. Some games may not suit him. Uh, to, to uh, you know, Hain did a bit of that. Hain did in attack quite often. Hain would get in at first receiver when it suited him um, with Parramatta. Um, so Milford, I think, 
<clears throat> I think Milford is a little bit misunderstood or, or maybe he's just hard to understand um, as far as what he wants. So, so coaches grab him and go, this is what you're going to do. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I <clears throat> Milford's one of those players, again, uh, has played some terrific games. I think he was better at Canberra than he's ever been at the Broncos though. Okay. I, I, I think honestly, 2015, Milford was, was phenomenal. And um I think he played pretty well the next year as well. But to me, it, it comes down to how, how do they use him? Um, and Wayne Bennett, he used him really well early on. And then he sort of got stuck in the, does he, I just, he became the game manager when Ben Hunt left. And I never agreed with that. Uh, but he is a, a very special player. We'll go to the centers, mate. And this is going to be where. Huh? This is where we're going to differ. Massively. We are going to differ. Uh it's going to be interesting to see if we differ the same way because well, why don't you just that, why don't you just spit them out three and four go hit okay them. number three is Renouf Renoff often enough uh, clearly he is the number one center that's played for the Brisbane Broncos and the number two center is Darren Smith same I knew it so how did I, how did I know how did I, I just had a feeling I had a, don't believe it. I can show you my list, but I'm not going to show you the list until we've said yeah. everything else. I'm going to write another thing. I, I picked D Smith. Yep. I loved him. I loved him at um, the Bulldogs, but I liked him more at the Broncos. He's played a, a bit over, a, a, what was it? 115 games. I, I think he may have scored 30 or 40 tries, but the thing I liked about Darren Smith was he was big. He was strong. Um, he could, he could return a ball. Um, his defense was fantastic. He had everything that you want in a center. Um, and Steve Renoff, again, uh, in that, uh, I think it was a 93 or no, maybe 92 series. 92 is the one. He, uh, yeah. He, he was, uh, he was unbelievable. You know, he both, was, both series actually, he was really good. Which was the one where he had the broken jaw and he came back with the new and improved headgear. He had the well, big stress. It's 93. Yeah. Um, look, he, he was he was an amazing player, uh, Renoff uh, Smith. Different player, different style of player. Maybe not as as blisteringly yep. fast. But um, uh, I think with with those players, I couldn't pick I couldn't pick Hodges. Um, I, just, I just never really liked Hodges as a player. I just didn't I didn't really like the way he played. A um, little bit lazy player. Uh, obviously played a lot of games for the Broncos and and. So he should have, um, but yeah, I, I was just never really a fan of his. And, and again, I'm picking this team for my life. We got to play for my life, yeah. you know. And that's the way I look at a team when I'm picking them. Uh, and I definitely at their at their height at their height, Renoff and Smith were my two two picks. And I know that there's been lots of others that have come along, and I'm sure you'll mention every single one of them. <laughs> I'll do my best. Uh, I'll start on Darren Smith. Uh, so his years at the Broncos were played either at centre or at lock. Now, this is the information according to Rugby League Project, but they've got him down for 21 tries from 37 games when he played at lock. That's, yep. that's pretty impressive. But he also scored, wait for it, 47 times in 60 games at the centres. Yep. In yeah, 1998, yep. sorry, in 1998, he scored 23 tries in 27 games. Amazing where they found the role for him. And Darren Smith was very much a very good defender because he played back row at Canterbury and then he played back row when he ended up going back to the Dogs and coming back to Brisbane. 
but he was a great hole runner, but a very sort of straight hole runner. He 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 didn't didn't sort of how do I put it? Um, you wouldn't throw the ball to him and go, "Oh, something's going to happen." He no. would just present himself in the right spot for his playmaker yes. or his fullback, yes. and he would hit that spot and he would make the try happen. Yeah. Whereas Renoff was similar in the sense that he could hit a hole, but he would hit a hole just with this, like a dart. Like, a, mm. like he just threw a dart and it was through, he was through and gone. Um, it was a bit different. He was explosive uh, pace-wise. He could swerve. That was probably, he wasn't so much a stepper as he was a swerver. Mm. And some of the tries he scored, I think, I mean, I'm just going to quickly um, jump on Rugby League Project and give you an idea. But I know early on in his career, he scored four tries against North Sydney in... Uh, uh, 1991, I think it is. Let me just double check that. Yeah, no, and he sort of announced himself as this kid is really good. And he was in yeah. the Queensland teams and the, and the Australian teams thereafter. He scored some big tries in big games. Now, yes. whenever you put together a team of the 90s and stuff, Runoff comes up into that discussion. I don't think he's in my best 90s team, and that's not a criticism of him. Because um, I think there are some other players you've just got to find spots for who played in the centres. But Steve Renoff yeah. uh, was one of those Prince of Centers that was, was given that mantle. And that's mm-hmm. for the Gazneers and co in the past. Like that, this is a mantle they gave us some absolutely iconic players. And um, Steve Renoff, I think, earned that, um, that title when he got given it. Um, the other players, you've mentioned Hodges. Um, they've had some pretty good centers in Brisbane. Uh, Chris Johns was a servant and a half of them. Uh, I reckon he would have been one of the first players that Wayne Bennett picked on his team every time it was available. He loved Chris Johns. Uh, yep, really good player. player. Underrated attacking player. Dale Shearer yep. was at the Broncos for a couple of years there. Mm. Um, freakish player. Uh, Israel Folau scored 30-something tries in 30 games at the Broncos. Yeah, yep. almost um, as many tries as games. Like Israel. Uh, lot, made so many, so many good centres. Julian O'Neill. Where didn't Jules play? <laughs> um, Tony Carroll center. played... 72 games in the centres and was a weapon there. Brent Tate, Michael Devere, Berrigan played there. Peter Jackson mm. played in That's the right. centres for a couple of years there for Brisbane. And people rave about the quality in which Peter Jackson could play rugby league. He is still speaking about, spoken about in revered tones in terms of Canberra. He was only there for a couple of years. And the same Canberra, thing Broncos. Watts, Gene Broncos. Miles played in the centres. Um, there's a player who I'm going to mention who only played there for like 10 games. But Anthony Mundine played in the centres mm. for the Broncos. He had, a, he had a pretty decent career over the, the course yep. of his uh, run around there. People forget he, um, the man wanted the money and sure. yeah, disappeared. But that centers, uh, uh, there's, and there's two other names that I'll throw out there, never reached their potential, but certainly had hype was Chris Walker. Yep. And James Roberts. Yeah. Yeah. Both good players. And, and I think they've got a pretty good, uh, a pretty good one there now um, in um, Katoni Staggs. Yep. Uh, Another three or four years, we'll see where he's at. Uh, another good thing about him is he's a New South Welshman too. So, um, Renoff and Smith, mate, yep. uh, two hardcore Queenslanders are in uh, jerseys three and four. Who you got in the wings? This is where there's three standouts. There's a player just below those two. And then there's two other guys that um, probably been unlucky there's been that much quality ahead of them at the Broncos. I've gone for Wendell Saylor and Nick Hancock as my wingers. Bada bing, bada boom. Similar, similar? In that order or in a different order? 
Uh, I picked Hancock first and picked Sailor yep. in five. Um, I just remember Hancock being so hard to handle. You know, he was a he was one of those players that you know he'd bust tackles, he'd fight to the death in a tackle, um, much to a lot of um, contempt from you know opposition teams. I hated teams. him because of how he kicked guys in the heads. He he he'd he'd elbow him, he'd kick him, he yeah. Um, that was obviously for the quick play of the ball. Uh, and Wendell was just a machine, wasn't he? Uh, you know, he was um, he was great to watch play football. Wendell he had played with so much uh, cockiness and, and um, bravado. And, you know, he was always looking for a challenge against another winger. I remember he came up against Hopper one night. You may not remember this, but it was at, uh, it was at Brookvale Oval. And mm. it was one of the only couple of times they wore the um, the turquoise green jersey, green and purple that ugly jersey, thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for Wayne Bennett's birthday, I think it was, and and uh, Wendell and, and Hopper came head to head that night, and um, it was probably the only time I've ever seen Hopper back down to someone. Uh, Wendell had his measure. Wendell was physically much bigger, stronger, um, and probably would have taken care of him if push yeah. came to shove. Um, but. Yeah, Hancock and Sailor again, two two absolute standouts for Queensland and the Broncos, um, and uh, I couldn't go past them. Yeah, look, I'm with you on Sailor as just a, a joy to watch play rugby league. He just was a a, a wingy. You just it's an old age. You pay money to see. You you pay money to see Wendell run around. Yep. Uh, Mick Hancock, on the other hand, um, actually was he got angry. At some point during the 90s, I don't know what happened. Maybe he didn't get enough money from Super League. Something happened and it just, it clicked for poor old Mickey Hancock and he became the angriest man in the world. And he was, he was an angrier man than Gordon Tallis when Gordon Tallis was in the same team. That's how angry Mick Hancock got. But he yeah. played for Australia at like 18 or 19. Um, he was a quality finisher, um, really good at bringing his team out of his own end. That's probably his biggest... Uh, thing that I remember about him, not not as great a finisher as other other wingers that have gone around, uh, but mm. very very good. The guy who misses out for me is Willie Kahn. Willie Kahn, not yep. by a lot. Uh, more probably longevity um, killed him. I remember reading something uh, about him a couple months ago where he, he hurt his um, ankle, I think it was lower leg, and he came back too early uh, to try and play yep. in the finals. And he said, mm. "I was just never right from that point onwards." I think that was like ninety three mm. or ninety four. And he has right. ended up being out of the game by 96. Um, and yeah. the other player who deserves consideration, but I think he's not overrated because he was really, really good. But I don't think he's was quite the player that the other three were. And that's Lottie Tahiri. Lottie Tahiri, Lottie, yeah. really good. But yeah. when he was at Brisbane, he was floaty. He, he, was, mm. he was very much, you'd, you'd see some brilliance, but you'd see some averageness at the same time. And that's just, that was where he was at his career at that stage. Yeah, he probably wasn't as consistent uh, early in his career, which is always uh, the risk as a young player. Let's not forget Jarrell Yao, Yao Yi, who was, yep. you know, probably one of the most unfortunate um, injuries. Well, all, all injuries are unfortunate, but um, that one, you know, the broken ankle, um, broken and dislocated ankle uh, finished his career. He was only very young in his first or second year with the Broncos, was touted as being a future kangaroo. Um, so you he know, played for uh, Australia, mate. He played. He played three he games played, in 2011. Yeah, yeah. It was so he came in in 2009, and mm. he was gone by 2012. Uh, he scored uh, 33 tries in 60 games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four four years he played. Did he really? Well, I thought he'd realistically two. two full ones, yeah, a half okay. season, and then four games. 
Right. Yeah. Unfortunate. And then there's Julian O'Neill played a bit of wing as well. Uh, you know, we well, won't forget Julian in a hurry. Yeah. Let's go <laughs> we'll get to him. We get to fullback because that was his main position, but the other player who I think's had a pretty good career to date. Um, Surprising, he's still at the Broncos. If I'm honest with you, but uh, Corey Oates, yeah, pretty good footballer in the in the grand scheme of things. But there's our wingers. There are some special mentions, but I'll get to them right at the end of the show when we do our Battlers 13. Everyone love the Battlers mm. 13 for Parramatta, but um, fullback, buddy. This is where there's been a plethora. Now I don't like using that word unless I'm talking about the three amigos, but a plethora of quality mm. number ones. Now I know who you've got number one. We well, won't say his name to the end. We will leave yeah. him to the end. But mm. who is next cab off the rank for you in the pantheon of Brisbane fullbacks? I've joked about him all night, but probably Julian O'Neill. Um, yeah. Was a very, very good player. Uh, people forget how good he was before he got to South. So he, was a, he was an exceptional player. Um, Darius has been good, although I think Darius is going to forever live in the shadow of 2019. Um, Sad because he's yeah. a he's a he was he was yeah. the reason I said this to a, a mate of mine and I said it to you on the pod uh, the other day like Boyd's the reason that Saints won the comp in 2010. I firmly According believe that. Yeah. yeah, no, that's and that's a fair argument. No, no, it's yeah. a fair argument. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not bagging you. Um, look, uh, there's Darius, there's Julian O'Neill, uh, Willie Kahn played a little bit of fullback as well. Yep. Uh, Paul Hoff, Paul Hoff, let's not forget him. <laughs> the Australian um, fullback. Yes. Um, and One game. Uh, who else was there? Name some names. You've got a, you've got a whole Mate, list you've, of them. You've got Carmichael. Carmichael. the Australian fullback at Brisbane. And the, like, everyone forgets about him because he's still playing. He's playing for the Waratahs or someone right now in, you know, trying to play mm-hmm. in um, Super Rugby. But Carmichael was a gun player. I remember getting told, actually, Matty Duncan, um, one of the co-hosts on the show, he mentioned to me, he said, there's a kid called Carmichael Hunt coming through. He's Keep an eye out for him. He was spot on. Yep. He was very, very good. Dale Shearer played and the number one as well. And the other player who they never saw the best of him at Brisbane, but they signed him to be the next superstar fullback. And that's Ben Barber. Um, it is a real shame that he never took off at Brisbane because it made Milford and Barber in the same team. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask a dumb question. Did Bill Trevor play for Brisbane? No. He didn't. He okay. played Canberra's whole career. He ended up doing all the Brisbane games as like a commentator after he retired. That's right. where he, he was. He might have been the Modest. fitness coach for a couple of years. He got rid of the mo. That's what I remember about that. Okay, <laughs> so uh, we've definitely gone. We've both gone with Darren Lockyer. Yes, we correct? have. Now, why Lockyer, mate? Oh, mate. Um, Lockyer was one of those one of those players that uh, you know, if, you, if he was on the field, I, I only ever saw him have one shocker. Mm-hmm. I only ever saw Darren Lockyer. Have, have one shocking game and I was at the game and it was at the QE2 stadium in Brisbane yep. that they called it ANZ stadium back then, but it was a QE stadium, uh, at QE2 stadium out in the suburbs of uh, Brisbane, yep. south of Brisbane. Um, and it was against Parramatta. Um, can't remember what year it was, but I'd suggest it was late nineties. Um, and he had an absolute bazaar, uh, drop balls. I think he dropped a couple of bombs. Parramatta won that day. Um, but other than that, other than that, Lockyer was probably the most secure player as far as um, you knew if he was on the t- on the team, he was going to have a good game, and they were a fair chance of winning because of his uh, because of his um, uh, him being on the team. Yep. Um, great kicker of the ball. Um, that would be nine ninety eight, mate. 
98. Great thinker, great kicker of the ball. Mm. Uh, turned into possibly a better 5'8 than fullback, even though we've both got him here because of one W. Lewis uh, for me and yep. you because of Kevy. But a guy that was probably equally as at home at fullback. Um, you know, and, and mate, there's just been no one better than him. Um, I don't think there's been some that have been nearly as good as him, but there's been nobody better than him uh, for the Broncos. And that's the long and short of it for my, I think we're a little bit unfortunate that we have to look at the game or his career from the back end first, because I recall him being as good a number one as I've ever seen. Like his play at fullback was just, there's a couple of words. And the number one thing is that he ran with grace. Elaine often talks about whether she has grace or not in Seinfeld. And that's one of the things we've either have grace, or you don't have grace. Darren Lockyer had grace when he ran the ball. There is no more effortless runner of the football I've ever seen in rugby. League. He ran like he was ice skating, didn't he? Oh, and Lighted. that was why when seeing him doing his knee was so devastating. You thought, will I see it again? Even though he hasn't mm-hmm. played and played fullback for a while. It's like, I think where I loved watching him play was off the back of the greats and being able to pass on to the greats. He is one of the luckiest. Now, this isn't a, this isn't a criticism of Darren Lockyer. He purely is one of the luckiest rugby league players to have started his career in that Brisbane Broncos team because it made sure we saw the greatness of Darren Lockyer. Yeah. He played with great players. He played with winners. He played with great forwards. He played with great backs. He played with great wingers. He played with great halves, halfback. He played with as good as there will be. And we saw Darren Lockyer emerge as mm. one of the 10 best players I've ever seen play rugby league. I can't put him up in my absolute top, 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 but he's, he's that good. And he was, I thought he was always a better fullback because he was the driving force in Brisbane um, even that fullback uh, at the back end. Because once Langer moved on in 99 mm. and then Lockyer became Lockyer's team um, from a playmaking point of view. The move to 5'8", I didn't understand it until you saw Carmichael Hunt come in at fullback. And that mm. made sense. And Lockyer and Bennett clearly knew what he was doing. Um, but Lockyer for me is... And, and there's some things that you think about Lockyer and you go, well, imagine if he'd been a good goal kicker. <laughs> Because he was handy, but he, yeah. he, he was a bit David Ferner-esque. He, he yeah, yeah. sometimes absolutely nail it, and other times he just, you're going, mate, what are you kicking the ball for? Um, yeah. He could have yeah. broken a lot of records as a goal kicker uh, if he'd um, been better at that. But you're saying his long kicking game, to me, was just, again, that left foot. I love watching yeah. the foot kickers. Um, there's something about them that just, it just looks like they've got better angles all over the field. Uh, defensively, he found a way to survive at 5'8", which was the big thing that what people were worried about when he got moved into 5'8", was can he tackle? Will he be able to make 25 tackles a game? Well, you mentioned yeah. it earlier around Tony Carroll. You know, find him a spotter and you'll be able to play Darren Lock here at six. Um, and, that's, and that's the way that, that, you know, a lot of halves have gotten through their career um, because they'll get tested every week with, with back rowers running at them on an edge. Um, and if you've got a good a good centre, defensive, good, you know, if he's playing on the left, for example, if you've got a good left defensive centre and a good back rower and he's defending between them. Yep. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's a whole lot easier if you've got two defenders, one on the inside, one on the outside of you, you know. Indeed. So, um, and he did, he had Tony Carroll there. Um, just so you know, mate. <laughs> There's I didn't the check. team. 
Oh, I see you had Ryan and Lewis. If you went Kevy, look at that. I can see that. If you're watching on YouTube, you can no, see no, no. you've got. So, so that's my team, and this is you. Oh, okay. So you've got Kevy. That's the only differences in our team. So we're two different again. Two differences. I haven't showed. I've got my reserves under here, which we're yeah, about to we'll reveal. get to them in a second. But yeah, so just to go through the teams, uh, Cocksmith has his pro up on the screen. Then he's got Lockyer, Hancock, Renouf, Smith, Sailor, Lewis, Langer, Lazarus, Walters, Webke, Talis, Thorne, and Peter Ryan. I've gone for Lockyer, Sailor, Renoff, Smith, Hancock, Kevin Walters, Alan Langer, Lazarus, Kerry Walters, uh, Webke, Thorne, Talis, and Wally Lewis to the bench, mate. Let's just be really quick if we can because we've. Sure. I'll just love, name them. Haven't we just uh, nailed some players through here? Go with your bench, mate. Four, what is it? My four are all forwards. Um, I didn't see the need to uh, or want or desire. Other than Julian O'Neill, no one else uh, was likely to make it. The four are Petro Sivanasiva, Corey Parker, David Fafita, and Michael Gillett. Um, I think, you know, rounding out a team, probably not the perfect team there, but um, you probably do want a, an all-rounder on the bench. But I just couldn't leave any of those four out. And you've um, mentioned Fafita, who's played 20 games of first rate or 25 yes. first game. We didn't mention yes. him in the Payne Haas discussion. He's, but Fafita is a freak, mate. You've got to understand. He's a player <laughs> like I haven't seen before. Yeah. I, I, I see something there that is really special. I, I want to see him play with a playmaker who can make him into something great. That, that's the thing that... I don't, think he, I don't think he's got that to him yet. Yeah. Could you imagine what he would be like with a with a Joey or with like an Cliff Alan Lyons. Banger? Cliff, mate, Steve Lyons. Menzies, great yep. player, but thank thank you, Cliff Lyons. Yeah, if Fafita had a Cliff Lyons playing with him, actually, yep. it's a bit of a sidebar on that. But I wonder if Fafita is—I only use the word—would be intelligent enough to play with Cliffy Lyons. Because one of the great things about Steve Menzies was he knew how to hold off Cliffy until this opportunity sure. was there. Sure. Um, that, that's, that's another, that's a whole other, whole other podcast, you mm. know, uh, player intelligence and, and um, you know, not to say that they're, they're not good scholastically in a, in a school situation, but, but player intelligence in the game is, is another thing. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. He hasn't never, he hasn't yet played with a great playmaker. The best game I've seen him play or the best moments I've seen him in play was in that um, Indigenous versus Maori game. Um, he was only very green. He was only 18 years old mm. when he played in that game, by the way. Uh, but plays with the, the aggression of a, of a 25 to 30-year-old. Um, uses his size very smartly. Um, but he's still running over blokes. He's got to so he get the blinkers off. That's the way I'll, I'll he, describe it. If he gets the blinkers when off. He get, when he can get in between blokes, because he's fast as well, yep. when he can get in between blokes and use his, his size and his bump, then we'll see how he goes. But they're my four, mate. Petro, Parker, Fafita, Gillett. Who have you got? I've gone Tony Carroll, Petro, Parker, and I've gone Justin Hodges as my play every position in the back line. You went with the center on the bench. Well, fullback. Or just be winger. He can play everywhere in the back line. He's, he's that perfect guy that you carry on the bench. Hodges. Perfect. Okay. So there I'll we go. There's it. our teams. Uh, I have to get to the uh, Bolt Battlers 13, so we'll do that after the break. We'll give you a chance to Take a deep breath and we'll wrap up the show next on Not The Footy Show's 208th episode. Not The Footy Show. show. Countdown about to begin. The fans up on their feet. Maguire. Slowly. 
Three to go. The season is over. Brisbane are the Premiers. Brisbane are the Premiers. They are the champions again. Six grand finals. They've won them all. The best thing about Mick Devere, remember that little highlight scene in the origin Stables. when the guy got the That is one of the greatest. I was actually I was at Dave Chapman's house when that happened. Where? And there was about oh, really? fifteen. There was about oh probably ten of us. And I just remember yeah. going, "That is a great moment in rugby league. We've just witnessed." Oh, Absolutely. sensational. Let's finish this up. Okay, it's episode two hundred eight of Not the Footy Show. Warwick Nicholson and Rob Cox. We've given you our teams. Now, I do have a team from one of the former co-hosts and hopefully not lost to the, the great uh, Not The Footy Show lineup, but Matty Duncan um, has given me his greatest team and I'm going to read it off uh, straight away. It's uh, Darren Lockyer, Michael Hancock, Steve Renoff, Justin Hodges, Wendell Saylor, Kevin Walters, Alan Langer, Shane Webke, Kerry Walters, Len Lazarus, Gordon Tallis, Fred Thorne and Tony Carroll. He had it um, locked forward. Yeah. And so he's got Hodges and Carroll in his team. Uh, and the bench he had was Berrigan, Darren Smith, Sid Siva, and Corey Parker. But he also, mm-hmm. after I asked him to send it to me, has flipped on his Battlers 13. Now, this was a raging success after doing the Parramatta Battlers 13, Fox Smith. Now, I don't mm-hmm. think you did a team, did you? No. Okay, no, you left, it, it, left it to the two of us. But I'll comment on Matty Duncan's. Go on. Okay. Uh, at fullback, we've got both gone with Lachlan Maranta. The great Maranta. Yeah, the son of Brett Plowman. Exactly right. Son of Brett, (laughs) Mm -hmm. as he should have been known. Lachlan Maranta at uh, fullback. Now, on the wings, he's gone with Brett Plowman. He's kept it in the family. and kept. I think it's pretty harsh on Brett Plowman. He was pretty good for them for a couple of years. He's like a bulldozer. He was uh, on the wing. And he's gone for Scotty Minto. (laughs) Now, I think that's a bit... I thought Scotty Minto wasn't horrendous. He wasn't good, but he wasn't horrendous. My wingers have got him covered. I've got Leon Bott on one wing and I've yep. got Steve, the man, Michaels on the other. I didn't the, mind Steve. Oh, gee. The only person. Um, in the centres, he has Steve Michaels and Stu Kelly. Yep. Which is pretty apt. I've got Nick Emmett. Oh, yeah. And yep. Jack Reed, who I thought was incredibly overrated for way too long. He was a yeah. battler. Jack, Jack Reed, yeah. Um, Englishman. Apparently. Yep. Uh, and at 5'8", he's got Joel Moon. <laughs> I've got Ian Lacey. Mm-hmm. At halfback, he's got Aaron Gorrell. And I've got oh, yeah. Shane Perry. I've gone, I don't care if you want a premiership, mate. You are Shane in my Perry. Shane Perry, absolutely. Uh, the front yeah. rowers, he has James Gavay and Ben Sislowski. Well, I don't remember Ben, but I know Gavay, yes. Uh, I've got Soslowski again. He went to and played about 10 games with the Bulldogs and they realised, what have we spent money on? Uh, mm. And Steel Retchless is my two props. Steel. I mean, Steel. Yeah. He's yes. gone Ian Lacey as his hooker. I've gone Mick Roberts. Do you remember Mick Roberts? No. Shaved head. Say. He played about 400 games in the Queensland yeah. Cup and then um, he got a run at hooker. And oh, the yeah. second row, he has Billy Noak and Clifford Manua. I've gone with Nick Sliney and Todd Lowry. Now, Todd Lowry is the definition of a battler. Yeah, yeah. What was, sorry, can you guys go back to Matty Duncan's side? Yeah. What was, this, what was that second rower's name? 
Billy Noak or Clifford Manua? Spell the last name. Oh, Cliff's got M-A- last name. M-A-N-U-A. Okay. Not Manua. Manua. Oh, oh Manua. Okay. There's a George Costanza my, reference there. My surname is unfortunate, but um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Kaka, yeah. go on. <laughs> nice. Uh, and at lock, he's got John Terrio. And I had Neil Wyatt. Look at you reaching, uh, reaching you guys absolutely. Some, you haven't some, got a mention. I've got I've got honourable mentions to Ashton Sims, Joel Clinton, <laughs> uh, Mark Corvo, uh, and uh, Greg Eden, who played Greg Eden and uh, uh, Craig Frawley. They're my special mentions. So there's the Battlers 13s from Matty Duncan and myself. We've got to wrap up episode 208, buddy. That's been the we rattled Broncos. Off. I'm looking yeah, at the timing. I know. I hate it. But the Broncos, look, Broncos are one of those clubs, aren't they? The competition would be very different without the Broncos. Um, I I like the fact that, you know, we we were very, very insular before the Broncos came in. I know we had, you know, a little bit of outside of Sydney going on, but not a lot. And uh, the Broncos really brought the, um, uh, brought that, you know, that intercity and interstate kind of uh, spice to the, the competition. And I love the fact that they had to wear the blue New South Wales Rugby League badge on their chest for a number of years. Uh, that made my day every time I saw that. It's pretty fantastic. Uh, I've got to leave you with this last question, Crocksmith. We did yes. it after the Parramatta team, which I thought was a good exercise. We're going to do it again. Yep. Five to one. The most, the best Brisbane Broncos. And it's, it's when they're at the Broncos. Yep. To give you some context, the five best Brisbane Broncos, five to one on that list. Number five. Okay. Uh, number five will be this, you know, this is a one without, one without. Um, yep. I just don't, I've just done it off my head as well. Off my head, All off right. top of my head, even. Why don't you tell me your five All while, right. I, while, while I drop this in? Go on. I really struggle to split number five. It's between Gordon Tallis and Brad Thorne. Yep. I'm going to go with Gordon Tallis. Yep. Who's your fifth? Uh, I haven't got there yet. I'm doing them one to five because it's easy to do that. Hold on. <laughs> I will be you in one second. Um, David Fafita? No. 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 Uh, Leon okay. Bott? Who'd you, who'd you go? Fifth? Uh, Gordon Tallis at number five. Okay. Um, I've gone Webkey. Nice. Number four, I've gone uh, Walter Lewis as the fourth best Brisbane Bronco. Okay, I went, I went Gordon Tallis. Number three, I've got Glenn Lazarus. I agree. Number two and number one, it is that hard to split these two. Yep, it's a, it's a toss of the coin, isn't I've it? I've gone really? Lockyer at two and Langer at one. Correct. Me too. So going going back and yeah again yep. I've gone fifth best Webkey fourth best Talis third best Lazo second best uh, Lockyer and the best that I've ever seen with the Brisbane jersey on is Alan Langer yeah so I went Talis Lazarus uh, sorry Talis Lewis Lazarus Lockyer and Langer the final question Cocksmith is can Payne Haas make that top five. Can David Fafita make that top five? Get back to me in 2025 and I'll let you know, mate. Um, <laughs> those boys need a little bit of changing of the guard at um, the Broncos. Uh, they need some some strong playmakers. And, and you know, um, 
we we may have a couple there now um, mm. that will work together. Brody Croft, uh, I know he was injured just in um, the second round of the year before it was um, interrupted. But uh, look, I, I I'm not sure. We I, I don't know what kind of player Brody Croft is yet because we've seen him emulate um, uh, Cooper Cronk. Uh, yeah. We've seen him play a little bit on his own, and when he got when when Croft got the the bridle of the team, so to speak, uh, with Melbourne, he fell off the wagon and and basically Smith took over. Well, uh, what's his name? Well, he, um, he didn't. Jerome, he didn't take uh, Hughes. Hughes did. He over. didn't take uh, evidently. He didn't do what Craig Bellamy wanted him to do, and that's right. the, that's that's the reason that Brody Croft so, so left. What is his natural game? Is it the is it the Cronk esque style we've seen, or is it something different to that? Is he more of a um, you know? his own man i'm not sure i think he's a bit more natural playmaker than 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 what he was at melbourne i think that's that's probably why he ended up having the the clash with with bellamy and then he i think he's well, more of a playmaker you, if he is that playmaker if he's the playmaker that brisbane have been aching for watch out the rest of the competition because they've got some of the best young forwards in oh, yeah. in comp at the moment in Hass, Fafita, uh lodge they've got guys that can can hit a line real hard so um yeah, I, but I won't be able to tell you who's in that top five for another five years, mate. We'll see. It's, it's interesting, though. I'm going to say it, though. I think he will end up in my top five by the time his career is over. Payne Haas. I don't know about the feeder, but Payne Haas, I think, will be in that mix. Episode 208, done, Cocksmith. Done and dusted, mate, the Broncos. Who have we got next, Was Can we give people a little bit of an insight? Well, I Who do want to do with? best union converts. I mean, we t- discussed one of those guys right. on we this can do podcast in, in Bradley Thorne. Um, we do need well, to do... There's another one you've forgotten. Wally Lewis. Was he originally a union player, was he? Look it up. Yeah, but did he play for like club rugby or did he play... Um... Look it up. Go and look it up. Okay, okay. Interesting. Let that one, I'll I'll the listeners up. can look that up. You may, you may find something very interesting. But yeah. all right, we'll do, we'll do rugby union converts. You want a top 10? Five to 10. It's too hard. You've got, you got to have the five worst as well. F- top five best ones and then the five ones that just and never worked days. out. All right, let's do that in a few days. Indeed. Uh, you did want to mention one thing before we went, mate. Yes. What was it? Uh, there was something said about a certain uh, rugby league columnist today. Yeah, Daily Telegraph rugby league writer Phil Rothfield. Uh, Gus has called your comments absurd. Your response to that? I've got no response to him. How come? I just don't rate his opinion. Okay. <laughs> Why not? It <laughs> goes without saying, I think. Okay. <sighs> hey, what about that? It, it, it doesn't, it never fails to deliver, does it? When you ask Phil Gould about Buzz Rothfield, um, apparently Buzz, apparently Buzz Rothfield from the Daily Telegraph has had a crack at, at Phil Gould. Um, and what was it in relation to, mate? What did he have a oh, crack only, at? No, he's, he keeps having, a, he just, he just, Every chance he gets, he just keeps writing something about Phil Gould because he knows it gets gets readers. That's why he does it. Is he fascinated or infatuated with uh, with the mighty Gus? It could be, it could be both. It could be both. But uh, the, the comments today from Gus were hilarious. We'll play them, obviously, on the pod as we head off from episode 208. We're going to have a lot more information about the nine versus NRL uh, stoush, as we want to call it. I think you'll see in the next couple of days um, all that gets swept under the carpet. Mm-hmm. We get an Tribute. announcement about what we're doing. And if we have more things to talk about in the present, but that's been episode yeah. 208, not the footy show. I've been Warwick Nicholson. That's been Rob Cox. Get us on all the yeah. social channels, etc. And on YouTube, there are three episodes now of Rugby League Trivia. Coxman, have you done one yet? No. So, I will. Yeah. 
I'll yeah. do one before before we reconvene for the next pod for the rugby union slash league pod. I'll do one. All right. Okay. I'll go see on. how you see how you travel, mate. Uh, I did right. have to mention one more thing before we left, and I can't believe it. I even wrote it down and didn't say it. Go on. One of the greatest performances I've ever seen in rugby league was Darren Lockyer in the second half of the 2006 prelim final against Canterbury. That game was over at halftime, and Lockyer, along with Sean Berrigan, just brought the Broncos back. If you haven't seen that game, go to your Google machine, look it up. It is a sensational exhibition of the greatness that was Darren Lockyer. Thanks very much for your company, everybody. We'll speak to you next time on Not The Footy Show. Absolutely, mate. Catch you soon. Awesome. Pepsi. Not The Footy Show. Show? What a moment. Can you define that in words? I couldn't. I couldn't even begin to tell you what I'm feeling now. These blokes who play with this club, mate, is unbelievable. No amount of words are ever going to think what these blokes have done for me, ever. Did you spare yourself sometime during the week a dream as to how it would finish up tonight? And is this the dream right now? I did not think it could happen. But to be here now, I just, I can't speak about it. It's unbelievable. Pepsi.